Hello, Fresno. Welcome to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Hopefully you can hear me okay. I uh, am live in the studio of Talk Radio 1680 KGED. Uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Not sure if you can hear my music this morning, but um, we are live in studio and I am actually solo today. That is because my normal co-host, John Girardi, is not with us today. He is in the middle of a golf tournament for Right to Life of Central California. So good luck to John Girardi and to Rafael Rodarte and the entire team over there who is getting ready for their golf tournament. So I am here by myself, but I want to bring you an interview that I did to start the show with Matt Sharp, who is an attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom. Last week, Matt and I were in Sacramento, and Matt was testifying in opposition to AB 624, which is a bill that would force every private and Christian school, along with public schools, to put a quote-unquote sexual or reproductive health hotline on their student ID cards. So I will not give too much background to the video. I just want to play this because I think it's worth it for you to hear. Um, if uh, you are listening, if, you, if you've been on our website, you might have seen this video already. But if not, I want to make sure you hear this important interview I did. We'll play it over the next two segments. Here's my interview with Matt Sharp from Alliance Defending Freedom. Hey, everybody. This is Jonathan Keller with California Family Council. Happy to be back with you on a beautiful Wednesday. And it actually is really a nice day. It's a little bright, a little sunny. But we are here on the lawn of the California State Capitol building. We're here on the West Steps, and there's multiple events going on. There's a rally over here. There's a Planned Parenthood thing over here. All kinds of things happening, uh, but we are here f to talk about AB 624, and we are really grateful because at California Family Council, uh, neither myself nor my intrepid coworker Greg Burt are attorneys, so we rely quite frequently on our good friends and experts at Alliance Defending Freedom. There's a lot of great legal groups around the state and around the country, uh, and we don't we don't like to say we have favorites, but a lot, Matt's one of our favorites. I'll, I'll put it that way. Not not the favorite, but one of our favorite attorneys in the whole country. So uh, he's been out here several times. Uh, Matt Sharp with Alliance Defending Freedom. Matt, thanks for coming all the way to California again. Thanks for having me. Uh, Matt hails from Georgia, and he well, I'll let you talk a little bit about your official title position, what you do there at ADF. Yeah, so I am a senior counsel, but really more my role is with legislative advocacy. So we've got a team dedicated to working with family policy councils like you guys and in other states and really coming in and helping to provide legal support, uh, legal analysis, testimony, whatever you guys need as you are in these states fighting these bills, helping to defend religious liberty, free speech, conscience across the country. And we've been blessed, as I said, got to work with a lot of wonderful ADF attorneys over the years. Uh, Kelly Fedorik, uh, Caleb Dalton, Casey Maddox, Greg Baylor, Tyson Langhofer. Uh, but Greg has been, I think, the only one who has actually made multiple trips out here <laughs> to testify or to give us consult as we're meeting with legislators, as we're talking with other grassroots leaders. And um, last year you were out here several times for the... Battle of all battles, knockdown, drag out, um, and um, that was AB 2943. Many of you remember that was the bill by State Assembly Member Evan Lowe that would have really restricted the religious 
liberty of both individuals who were struggling with unwanted same-sex attraction, and it would have restricted the religious liberty of counselors who were trying to offer uh, biblically-based, faith-based counseling to clients who were seeking to live according to their faith in the areas of sexual attraction and gender identity. And we were really grateful to have Matt and the whole ADF team really come alongside us at California Family Council and so many thousands of men and women, uh, both across the state and around the country, that really stood up and spoke out for religious liberty and uh, free exercise of religion. Um, this year, there's a slightly different bill. Um, Matt, I want you to tell us a little bit about AB 624. That This actually, interestingly, maybe has something in common with a, a huge blockbuster case that you guys won at the Supreme Court last year. Um, many of you remember Nifla v. Becerra was the case that attacked pregnancy care centers, or I should say it was the case involving an attack on pregnancy care centers. California legislature passed a bill several years ago that um, basically had forced every pregnancy center in the state to, in many ways, become an advertiser, an advocate for a position they disagreed with. It, it forced them to put a phone number for Planned Parenthood or for another abortion resource in the very walls of their clinics, on the walls of their clinics, on their brochures. And uh, this is actually the, the interesting thing. The Supreme Court declared that unconstitutional. So, Matt, tell us about a little bit more about the NIFLA case, that 5-4 decision, um, and kind of the similarities that we see in this case today. Yeah. At, at the heart of the NIFLA case was this idea that the government cannot compel a private organization, in the NIFLA case, a, a pregnancy care center, to communicate the government's preferred message, communicate a message that they disagree with, uh, especially on issues like abortion. And so in the very strong decision, the court looked back over its history of recognizing free speech and recognizing that it is just as wrong to tell someone what they can't say as it is to tell them what they must say. And so in this great decision, the court said, California, you can't compel Tell them to communicate this message to provide information where they can get referrals for abortions uh, if it violates your beliefs. Well, AB 624 is a extension of that in many regards. Um, rather than it being a uh, abortion referral number in a pregnancy care center, it is requiring student IDs, which uh, in many schools across the state they actually have to wear outside for security measures, that they have to have the number for a reproductive or sexual health hotline that they wear on them, essentially the number for Planned Parenthood. So rather than being plastered on the walls of a pregnancy care center, it's now plastered on the body of a student as they are walking around school, attending school events and things like that. And I, I realize we could say, Matt, well, come on, you know, what's the big deal? It's just, you know, one little phone number and, you know, the student doesn't have to use it if they don't want to. What's the big deal? But really similar to what happened to these pregnancy care centers, it really is an issue of whether or not, as you said, the government, the state government in this case, can compel these individual schools, Christian schools, uh, whether they're, you know, in high school, or this bill actually would extend to colleges as well. So we're, we're talking again about not a pregnancy center, but a school like Biola or uh, William Jessup, uh, California Baptist University, uh, Point Loma, all these different great Christian schools, Catholic schools or religious schools of other kinds in the state. Um, there's no religious exemption in this bill, correct, Matt? Not at all. And so not only does it require the students at public schools to wear these, but as you mentioned, private schools, uh, grades 7 through 12, and also colleges have to design, print, and 
distribute these telephone numbers. So again, as you mentioned, several Christian colleges in the state would say, we are devoutly pro-life in our ideology and our theology. We teach it to our students. It's reflected in our policies. You know, some of these schools were suing the federal government when it was telling them they had to pay for abortion as yeah. part of their health care services. And now the state is coming in and saying, well, we want you to then produce, you know, many billboards that your student bodies must wear uh, as part of this information campaign that we're doing. And so it's not only a matter of these students, but of telling these private religious schools, these are the messages you must endorse. These are the messages you must communicate to produce, to print, to distribute to your student body. And so we've got multiple instances of California telling these private individuals, these private organizations, this is our preferred message on abortion. You must produce it. You must distribute it. You must communicate it to the world. And, uh, folks, this is one reason why I think the, the Supreme Court decision last year, uh, even though it was on paper, it was a 5-4 decision written by Justice Thomas. And at the time, I think the, uh, the predominant pro-abortion cultural media forces <laughs> really tried to say, well, this is a narrow decision. You know, it's, it's very constrained. It only applies to this one specific thing. Th they really tried to make it seem like it was less of a big deal. But... I really think, Matt, it sounds like uh, this decision really has a lot of legs and it, it, it has a, a broader impact than I think maybe we even realized at the time. Yeah, absolutely. This this concept that the government can't compel speech pops up in so many contexts. There was uh, abortion information at pro-life pregnancy centers. Here at student IDs, and you can imagine lots of instances where the government says, we will have a message and we want to force you, average citizen, you, private college, to communicate this message for us. And it doesn't matter, really, even if the message is objectionable, though here it obviously is, reproductive and sexual health, but the very idea that the government can take over your mouth, take over your body, and say, you must be a communicative avenue for this message should scare us all. Because as, as we've even communicated this, what if you had one of these schools that says, well, we don't want to produce uh, Planned Parenthood hotline. We want to do it for our local pro-life pregnancy center. Well, you can imagine some pro-abortion students would object to that. Sure. And the governing principle should be none of these students should have to communicate this. They ought to, if they want to wear their own T-shirt to school, that's their freedom. But the government should never be telling them what to wear. And it especially should not be telling private schools what they must produce, what ideology they must endorse as part of their IDs and other aspects of how they operate their school. Well, and we can think of lots of other examples. I mean, you gave the kind of the counter example. I, I can think of if there was a state that was maybe um, less progressive than California, let's put it that way. Um, maybe maybe the inverse of a state, you know, let's say um, Indiana or uh, Oklahoma or Texas. You know, if they went out and said, well, we're going to require that every public school has to offer a chaplaincy hotline, again, you know, uh, if it was a hotline that was going to a Christian chaplaincy organization for counseling, um, I can imagine that, you know, some of the atheist students might have, you know, uh, freedom of religion or free exercise claims uh, contra, contra to that. Some of the Muslim students, the Buddhist students, if the government is saying this is, as you as you said, Matt, the preferred predominant message, this is the official government message that literally we give the imprimatur, the, the stamp of approval, and not just give it, but we require that this is what is printed out. I mean, it, it really does seem to be a, a pretty blatant attack on those uh, students' free exercise rights. Yeah, absolutely. Folks. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today. 
And we are live in the studio of Talk Radio 1680 KGED. Uh, unfortunately, I am not joined by my normal co-host. Today he is erstwhile, John Girardi. Today is the Right to Life Central California Golf Tournament. And hopefully, if you are free today, uh, maybe they still have some seats available, but you can find out more on their website. You can always support Right to Life. They're great friends and great partners, uh, but great organization and great event today. I wanted to go back to the audio that we were playing as we led into the break. Uh, I had an interview last week in Sacramento with attorney Matt Sharp from Alliance Defending Freedom, and we were really grateful to have Matt with us in the Capitol, and he testified. If we have time, maybe in the third segment, we will play some of his actual testimony. But this was my interview that I conducted with Matt on the steps of the Capitol. We were just talking about this new bill, AB 624, which forces every private and Christian school to put a government message, a sexual and reproductive health hotline, on student ID cards. So here is the rest of my conversation with Matt Sharp from Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, students' free exercise rights. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, the, the case that originated some of these concepts dealt with uh, in New Hampshire, the state required every citizen to have live free or die on their car license plate. And again, this is a, a license plate produced by the state. It's handed out. We've all had them on our car. And a citizen said, I don't like that message. I don't like the state motto. And the Supreme Court sided with them and said, you cannot be forced to drive your car and always communicate this message from the state. Well, that's exactly what's happening here. But rather than a car, it's, it's your body. Rather than a car, it's the schools being required to produce this. And so we can come up with numerous examples. And that's why the court in, this, in the NIFLA decision really reiterated that principle that it, it's more than just the message, but the very act of the government telling you you must be a billboard for this message ought to frighten all of us as students, as citizens, because if the government can pick that message and force you to promote it, what else can they require you to promote? And all of us ought to be united in the principle that is far beyond what the government ever has the ability to do. It is demeaning and insulting to take over your citizens and force them to communicate these messages. One of my favorite examples of, uh, I, I can't remember what the exact GIF was or, or image was, it was a meme, and I think it was your former colleague, uh, Casey Matt another great attorney it uh, it had an I, I think it was the uh, I think it was some of you might have seen this if you're not a if you're not a millennial or a Gen X or you may not appreciate that as much this as much but it was a famous image from a, a 1960s comic book and it was a uh, it was a picture of Batman slapping Robin and uh, it's Robin asking the question and then it's Batman just slapping him and saying no and the question that Robin was asking said should the government and Batman just says no right. And generally, I think that's pretty good advice. I mean, yes, of course, we all agree the government does have a role. I mean, speed limits are probably a good example of, of public health and public safety. Um, you know, th there's lots of examples where the government can definitely play a role in um, posting messages and, and uh, speaking with its own voice. But it really seems, Matt, I mean, th th there's a difference. If we were talking about public schools paid for with public dollars if they were posting on their own websites or on their own walls of the uh, uh, of the hallways or in the classrooms if those had the message that's one thing but it's another thing like as you said when you coerce and co-opt the voice and the person of an individual that's where it really steps over the line that's exactly right 
we've said in the NIFLA case, uh, if the state was wanting to get more information where women could get access to abortion, buy a billboard, run an ad campaign. And in fact, the, if I recall in the case, the state was saying, well, those proved ineffective. And that's why we need to go in and co-opt these pro-life pregnancy centers and make them put up these signs for us. Well, I'm sorry your, your ad campaign wasn't effective, but that doesn't give you the right to go in and say, and therefore you must speak this message that you find objectionable. But that is what this, this idea is, is so pervading the government of just saying, let's find more ways that we can force citizens to carry our message for them because we're effective, you know, we're, we're not being effective enough. And so therefore we have to take over your voice. We have to take over your ID cards. We have to take over your methods of communication and force you to be the broadcaster of the government message. Again, you know, you can use the example of even this Facebook Live broadcast of it. at the end we had to say, and by the way, the state of California tells us to tell you, you know, go get your teeth checked, you know, go visit your local <laughs> dentist, eat an apple. And we would say the state has no ability to co-opt this private conversation that we're having with your viewers and tell us what we must communicate. But that's exactly what they're trying to do with these IDs and with so many other things that they do. Well, and again, I mean, folks, first off, especially if you're younger, I have an 18-month-old, so I don't think he's watching this yet. But yes, brush your teeth, you know, eat an apple, get your teeth checked. That, I mean, that, that's a good non-objectionable message. But again, Matt, it, it comes to that idea of whose right is it to make those statements and to compel that type of speech. And again, I mean, I, I could think of a lot of examples where if you had you know, the government decided, for example, that they were doing a uh, abstinence uh, education campaign, abstinence only or sex ed campaign in a, one of these states. Let's say it was, again, Texas, Oklahoma, Mississippi. Um, it would be one thing if the government said, we're going to post those messages. But if instead they made every student, you know, carry a, a pledge card and said, yeah, you know, I'm that, that would be something different. If they're having to essentially become something that maybe contravenes their own opinion, even if it's a message, again, that you or I might agree with, um, it, it's something that really should not be the place of the state government or the federal government. And I'm really hopeful, uh, really hopeful, Matt, that the, the legislators in this hearing, if we ever get to it, because there's multiple bills <laughs> that we've been waiting for, we've been here at the Capitol for about uh, four hours waiting for the next bill to finally come. But um, my hope is that the legislators will really hear the First Amendment concerns because it's not something that we should just hand wave away. It, it, it's, it's, the principle at stake is much bigger than just a single line printed. Um, and I know, I know we always get a little leery about slippery slope arguments, but um, a government that is big enough to begin to tell you what, you what types of clothing you have to wear, what types of messages you have to proclaim and carry, really, I think, can begin to get... Um, too big and too powerful very quickly. Yeah. You know, the, this bill started actually last year, we discovered, with uh, a requirement that they prevent, uh, publish a suicide prevention hotline. And again, a lot of us can look at that and say, that's a noble thing to put. We don't want kids committing suicide. We want them to be able to talk to someone. But look at the box it opened, because the government said, we can compel you to carry this message. Let's see what else we can add. And so now this year, we're looking at, I think, four different hotlines or things like that that you can do. And it opens this box where the government gets more and more Three brave minutes. and bold and saying, well, let's insert this message and let's include reproductive health and let's include a teen dating text line and all of these things that the, some government officials says, well, I think this would be good without recognizing it doesn't matter what you think. What the concern is, is you are telling citizens they must now be your mouthpiece. You are telling private schools they must print and communicate this message on what they produce for their student body, even when it conflicts with their deeply held religious beliefs. And that principle of the government has no ability to compel its citizens to be the carrier of its message should be a unifying principle for all of us, not a, an open door for let's see how much we can cram on a student ID card. Well, and my hope is that 
even the Democrats on the committee would recognize. Uh, obviously, California Family Council, Alliance Defending Freedom, we're both nonpartisan, nonsectarian organizations. Um, and obviously, we would love nothing more than to see Democrats and Republicans unite on upholding the First Amendment, upholding the rights of free exercise and freedom of speech or freedom not to speak for all students in the state of California. So we're really grateful, like I said, to have Matt. Uh, Matt, if people want to find out um, either what you're doing personally or what ADF is up to on a regular basis, uh, where can they go online to find out more? They can visit us at adflegal.org. You can learn more about our cases, the work we're doing, um, how to help support our efforts and help us to continue to be able to work with great FPCs like you guys who are uh, on the front line standing for our religious freedoms and our free speech values every day. And I also encourage you folks, we did tag it in here, but make sure you also like them on Facebook. Um, tons of resources, great articles that they publish on a regular basis. And, yeah, I strongly encourage you. You're not on Twitter or anything, really, are you? No. Matt, Matt maintains a pretty low profile. He's, he, is, he is less of an oversharer like Greg and I are, who are always sharing something on Facebook or Twitter. So, But, anyway, Matt, thanks so much again for being out here with us. I know it's a sacrifice for you and your family to have you all the way across from Georgia, but... Um, we really do appreciate it. Folks, we encourage you. Um, the hearing is hopefully going to be happening in the next 20 minutes to two hours to four hours. I don't know. We'll see. But we're going we're gonna to be here uh, hopefully until it happens. We're going to go in and speak. Matt will speak. And we will try to uh, post his video testimony uh, in the next couple of days. But I strongly encourage you, please share this video with your friends. If you're just seeing it in your feed, like us on Facebook to get more videos and more updates. There are a ton of bills that we are monitoring this year for you here at the Capitol. Uh, lots of things dealing with student ID cards, dealing with comprehensive sexuality education, the graphic uh, lessons being taught to K through 12 students, uh, dealing with uh, mandating abortion drugs on college campuses. I mean, there is a ton of crazy legislation that is happening right in this building behind us, and we need your help to raise awareness about it and to bring attention to what goes on in Sacramento. Also, I would not be a good nonprofit executive if I did not say we can always use your donations. <laughs> if you can give us a call uh, or make a donation online, we greatly appreciate that. All gifts are tax deductible to our, towards our educational mission. And we really appreciate you just standing with us and helping spread the word. Uh, we will be back, though. I'm Jonathan Keller. This is Matt Sharp. I'm from California Family Council. He's from Alliance Defending Freedom. We'll be back soon. God bless. Folks, that was my interview with Matt Sharp and happy to be with you today here on the radio on Talk Radio 1680 and when we come back I will play a little bit of Matt's actual testimony and we will talk a little bit more about this bill and other legislation in Sacramento we'll talk about ways you can get involved and hopefully you can get your friends involved as well on today's episode of Life Family Liberty to Life Family Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you on today's episode of the radio show. We are not live on Facebook today because we are predominantly playing some audio and video from Facebook that we recorded last week. And we had a lot of a uh, lot of time in Sacramento last week. There were some hearings on different bills and I spent a tremendous amount of time at the Capitol, especially on Wednesday, 
there was a bill that was dealing with charter schools and there were hundreds of parents there, concerned parents talking about charter schools. And then on uh, later that day on Wednesday, we had some opportunity to testify in opposition to AB 624. So this bill would basically, the, t- the title of it is officially the Pupil and Student Health uh, Identification Card Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence Hotline Telephone Numbers. Okay, essentially what they are trying to do is to require that on every single student ID card, for every single student, K through 12 in public school, and then also for seventh through 12th grade and through for um, all college students, that all these students would be required to have on their person an ID card with a sexual assault and domestic violence hotline. But in addition to that, essentially what it would do is it would mandate that one of these numbers would most likely be Planned Parenthood or some group like that. The concern about this, as we heard from Matt Sharp in the last segment, is that this really would be a gross imposition, especially for religious schools, on their free speech rights, their freedom of association rights. So I want to play Matt Sharp's actual testimony. It was a short bit of testimony. He did a great job. Uh, But this is our friend Matt Sharp. He's an attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom. He came out to Sacramento last week and he testified. This is the concern about this bill from our perspective. My name is Matt Sharp. I'm an attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom. Over 40 years ago, the Supreme Court ruled, struck down a New Hampshire law that required its citizens to display the state motto on license plate, holding that an individual has a First Amendment right not to be a courier of the state's message. And just last year, the Supreme Court struck down a California law that required pro-life pregnancy centers to post contact information for abortion referrals. AB 624 suffers these same constitutional flaws because it compels religious schools, students, and staff to use ID badges that communicate messages they may find objectionable. Under the bill, a private college that endorses a pro-life ideology would be required to design, print, and distribute student ID cards that include the telephone number for a sexual or reproductive health hotline. Using threat of losing state student financial aid, the private institution must surrender its voice in order to promote the state's preferred ideology. Yet the harms of AB 624 are not limited to private institutions. Students at both private and public schools are likewise forced to become carriers of the state's ideology on issues of sexual and reproductive health. Students publicly use their IDs to check in at school, purchase lunches, and gain access to school events. Some schools even require students to wear their IDs as a safety precaution. But under AB 624, a teenage girl who starts a pro-life club at her school would be required to daily carry, use, and even wear a telephone number for Planned Parenthood. And this compelled speech requirement cuts both ways, as some pro-choice students may object if their school chose to use a local pro-life pregnancy center as the hotline um, to publish on student IDs. This law will inevitably lead to costly litigation against school districts that they will almost inevitably lose. Requiring students to be messengers on behalf of government ideology opens a Pandora's box because any message forced on students by the government is going to be controversial to some. If the state wants to promote a hotline, it has innumerable ways to do so. Billboards, ad campaigns, flyers, but what it cannot do is force private parties to speak its message on its behalf. Thank you. This is Jonathan Keller from California Family Council, and you were just listening to Matt Sharp earlier from Alliance Defending Freedom. Happy to be with you in the studio today talking about AB 624. And um, as as you can tell, this bill really is going to be a danger for students, and especially for Christian schools. The fact that similar to two years ago, when the government, or rather, excuse me, 
four years ago when the government passed a bill that would have required every college and university or excuse me, every pregnancy care center to have a billboard in their offices, in their clinics that was advertising for Planned Parenthood. This goes, I think it's a different step, but it is even a step further because rather than just having that on the walls, it would actually require it to be on the person of every student. And I think that creates a free exercise uh, complaint both on behalf of the students and on behalf of the schools. The fact that they're having to print these little billboards and pass them out to every student on campus really is something that is controversial and it is something that is um, unconstitutional, as we heard from Matt Sharp. So the real hope that I see here is that the state of California would begin to recognize that they do not have a right just because they think they have a good argument for something. They do not have a right to compel the private speech of citizens in the state of California. The Supreme Court was pretty clear on this last year when they struck down the NIFLA law or the the law in NIFLA v. Becerra. It was the National Institute of Family Life Advocates versus Becerra, the Attorney General of the state of California. And it should be fairly clear from the way that case was decided. They said that the government does not have a right to Uh, attack the free speech rights of uh, individual um, clinics and individual people. And that should be something that is fairly obvious as we move forward. They should be able to understand that they do not have the right to force anybody, whether it is a pregnancy care center or whether it is a Christian school, to not just allow, but to directly print and advertise a government message. So, When we come back for our final segment today, we may have a little bit more audio, and if not, I'm just going to give a little bit of a overview about some of the information that we're working on at California Family Council for this year. Uh, We've got some key bills up, and we really could use your help and support as we fight back against some of the really bad legislation. Hope to talk to you uh, when we come back from the break here on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I am your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today on this Monday, the 15th of April. It is tax day. All right. Happy to be here in studio at the on location talk radio 1680 KGED. And we are not joined in studio today by John Girardi. He is actually at the Right to Life Central California Golf Tournament today. Hope uh, he and the team over there are having a good time. And let's see here. We are, big thing that we are working on this week, as I said, we're right in the height of the legislative, um, legislative season. And there are tons of bills that are being heard. Last week, as we've talked about throughout today, AB 624 was being debated in the legislature up in Sacramento. And that bill is going to be uh, a key focus for California Family Council and for Alliance Defending Freedom. If it continues to proceed in its current form, uh, it is going to be extremely 
dangerous. It's going to be something that I think is going to draw another constitutional challenge from our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. We will probably try to use it uh, in a lot of our information because it, it's something that I think just continues to show how the government of California is not just content to allow people to access abortion. They're not just content to allow people to access or to advertise for these types of services. But now they are trying to get into the business of advertising directly for Planned Parenthood and other groups like that themselves. And really, it's something that is kind of shocking because you would think that if these services were able to compete in the marketplace of ideas, if they were able to compete in the normal course of doing business, they should be able to pay for their own advertising. They should be able to pay for their own services, especially because in many cases, they already receive huge amounts of taxpayer money to try to promote a message from these schools. And yet now what we're seeing is rather than the government taxing the people and giving more money to these organizations, allowing them to advertise with Google, advertise with Facebook, uh, put up posters or pass out flyers in schools. They are now wanting to force every student in the state of California to wear an advertisement. It, it really is something that is kind of outrageous when you think about it. Um, you think on almost any other type of issue. If you had the government saying to every student, not just K through 12, but also into college, that they had to advertise another government message, I think people would be rightly very offended. If it was a government of the state of Texas or Oklahoma or Illinois, and they said, look, you know, we believe that um, there is a, there's an importance of abstinence, or we believe that there is an importance of, um, you know, anything else that might be more controversial. Let's say it was something relating to immigration or something like that. It would not be appropriate for the government to force these private institutions. We're not just talking about public schools, folks. Remember, we're talking about private institutions, private schools, private uh, businesses, private educational groups. They are being forced now to carry and promote a government message on the bodies of every single student. Now, you can argue and say, well, come on, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, it's just a small student ID. Well, as Matt Sharp pointed out in his testimony in the last segment, yes, in many cases, these IDs are actually required. They are mandatory for student safety reasons so that they know which students are on campus. And yet that is what is now being mandated on campus for every single student. Uh, that would be, under this law, it would be something that would be forced. These schools would not have an option. They would have to, if they issued an ID, to include these phone numbers. And really, it's a little bit ridiculous because one of the examples that Jesse Gabriel, the author of the bill, tried to give as a uh, kind of a, a backdoor to get out of it is he said, well, you know, there's no state mandate that says you have to issue a student ID. So if they have real concerns about this, they could, um, they could just choose not to issue student IDs. Uh, that's how they can get around doing this. But that, that really is something that is not appropriate. It's not fair. It's not right to be able to say to someone, look, you know, if you wanted to issue these IDs for another purpose that don't have to do with this, we're now going to take away your right to do that um, in order so that you can speak a government message. And on the flip side, what is the really compelling government interest? What, why is it compelling for the government to do this if 
if the government is saying that this is such a big deal that they have to force every college and university to do it, why, why in the world would they say that is the big issue, but um, you can get around it by just not having the ID period? There seems to be really a double standard here. If the issue is so compelling that every student should have to wear it, then they should make it mandatory and they should require all schools to issue government IDs. But on the flip side, if they're saying that it is so unnecessary that a school doesn't have to issue it, they can just not do IDs, period, then why should anyone's have to do it? They should make it voluntary. If a government school really does want to issue these IDs, they should be allowed to do it. But no school, whether they're a government school or a private religious institution, no school should be mandated to offer these IDs. And it really, I think, goes to show that statement from Jesse Gabriel, I think, goes to show the lack of a compelling state interest in doing this. And my hope and prayer is that that from the legislator himself would actually go to show why this bill is so bad, why it is compelled speech, and why it will ultimately, I think, fail at the Supreme Court. That really goes, and it, it really goes to show how, uh, frankly, lame and uncompelling this type of legislation is. There are very, very few cases where the government has the right to forcibly mandate that a student talk about a certain issue with their peers. And I realize, again, you can say this is not that big of a deal. You know, look, you know, how are we actually making the students speak a message? Well, as Matt stated in one of the first segments, he talked about the New Hampshire State Department of Motor Vehicles. They had a license plate. And on every single license plate, they had the state motto. It wasn't just the name of the state. It wasn't just New Hampshire. But the state message was live free or die. Now, you know, you can say, okay, that's a great patriotic message, you know, that's good. But there were people who were wanting to drive cars and said, look, I don't want to have to communicate a government message every time I am driving a car. Can't I just have a license plate that only has my identification information? It has the state name and it has the identifying numbers. That's very similar to what we are seeing here. The government could require a state license plate for safety purposes, but they could not require those uh, drivers to speak a message, even just by having it printed on the back of their car. That is the same thing that we are saying here. The, the state or the school could have a mandated, li- a mandated not license plate, but a mandated uh, ID card for students. That's fine. I think that would pass constitutional muster. But The alternative here that the state of New Hampshire did not say to the driver, well, if you don't like the message that is on the license plate, you can just choose instead to not drive with a license plate. If you don't like that message, you can voluntarily choose to not have a license plate on your car. That is not an option. That was not the option that a local Department of Motor Vehicles had. You can't say, well, you know, I'm just going to choose not to do a license plate. No, you have to have one. That has to be an option for safety purposes, for identification purposes, etc. But the Supreme Court in that case said you cannot mix these messages. It's not appropriate to force these individuals to speak that government message. And I think there is such a clear parallel here 
So that's one of the reasons why we're so grateful to have our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom, Matt Sharp and his great organization, uh, coming out and participating with us. Last year, obviously, we saw a huge victory, two huge victories last year in the case of Jack Phillips at the Supreme Court, where attorney Kristen Wagner argued that case successfully. And then we saw uh, the president of Alliance Defending Freedom, Mike Ferris, arguing his case successfully. And we were really excited to see that case win for the pregnancy care centers in the state of California. And I am hopeful that if the state of California once again tries to force this, legisl this legislation through, we are going to see a second slapdown, just like we saw last year in a 5-4 decision, Nifla v. Becerra, it, uh, the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas said, no, it is, in, it is unconstitutional, it is wrong to force professional speech onto these individuals. Uh, even the even Justice Kennedy said that it is acting like a authoritarian regime to try to force this message. I think that is going to be what will happen. Folks, we're going to be back next week on another episode of Life, Family, Liberty. We'll be back, hopefully joined in studio by John Girardi. We will be talking about other bills and other legislation that is going through the legislature. And you can always find out more about what we're doing by going to our website, which is CaliforniaFamily.org. Again, that is CaliforniaFamily.org. You can find out more at our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash CaliforniaFamily. And I strongly encourage you, I ask you, please consider making a donation to the work that we're doing. It takes a lot of time and effort to be there in the Capitol. But I look forward to being with you next week. In the meantime, have a happy Holy Week, happy Good Friday, and a very happy Easter. God bless you all. We'll see you next week on Life, Family, Liberty.